Uh, we have started this recording. Just so you know, don't reveal any of your world domination plans. Soon, we will take over the Earth using the power of breakfast cereal and cardboard boxes. Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. Uh, I'm Brian. Thanks for coming by for another hang in the laboratory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our backers on a platform that we might have tried to migrate you to recently. I don't know when this <laughs> episode is coming out. For now, special thanks to our backers on Patreon, who throw us as little as a buck an episode to help keep this thing going. We're working on an easier way to do that, which is why I, I tiptoed around the beginning of that intro. Patreon is is dope. You can listen to a whole episode about how much we love what they're up to. It doesn't seem to be where podcasts are hanging out. So we'll send you an email. But thank you. <laughs> Thanks for so, supporting. We've been doing new news up front, but also, eh, whatever. I don't, we were talking about this before we started recording, and I was too, we were... We were so stoked to talk about the main topic this week that I'm like, yeah, let's just do. So what are we talking about? I think we're going to do, let's make this part of a series we call On Stuff. On on Stuff. On Basic General Overlooked Stuff. This week, we are talking about the impetus of this week's Fun episode word. was cardboard. You uh, you got really excited and just sent me like 25 messages about how much you wanted to talk about cardboard. And I was like, OK, cardboard's awesome. Let's uh, let's do it. I mean, it's not just awesome. It's not just a really cool thing. But like I thought of it because another podcast I was listening to when I was running around the block mentioned it just in passing. The economist Tyler Cowan just he was like. And they're not considering certain innovations. Can, and he just ran off like five things that weren't really related to what he was saying. But one of them in a list, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, because I was out running around the block and there were Amazon packages on every doorstep. Like they're everywhere. And when I told you about that, you were like, yeah, my dad said the same thing the other day. He's driving around the neighborhood and just everybody he was like, you yeah, uh, invest in cardboard companies. <laughs> cardboard is... Uh... It has been everywhere for a while, and it's certainly much more in everyone's faces now. I don't know if the cardboard box was in a, in uh, so many people's homes as frequently as it is now. And that's a property of a cardboard box is really good at what it does. <laughs> it's pretty handy. It's seemingly inexpensive. So I think you have to chase a distinction in this one between cardboard and paper and cardstock. There's a lot going on with cardboard. Right. There's a lot going so what, on. What we call cardboard is not actually really a, a good word for what we're talking about because everyone's picturing a cardboard box, but cardboard is more no, like I mean, what cereal boxes are made of. Yeah, right. Card, so, so board. I'm talking about corrugated cardboard, the boring brown shit <laughs> that the fancy one comes in if you order something directly like from Amazon. There's not pictures on it. It's just routing data. And an ugly brown brown box. Amazon puts that's, ads on them now. Yeah, well, that makes sense, but that's a different <laughs> part. Of, that's a different part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, but you can't get to cardboard without coming through like cereal boxes and game boxes and yeah, and for paper. sure. So all that stuff. So let's let's like 
literally back it up to cave paintings on this one. <laughs> Before we had paper and uh, and a subset of other substances that I think we should also run through, we had to just scratch writings into surfaces. <laughs> Sand, not very good for that, unless you only need to coordinate what you're doing with a large group and then go over the hill and it doesn't matter. Sand's great for kids to coordinate military plans to invade other kids' forts. <laughs> Sand and dirt and sticks. That worked really well back then. So, like, there's a the there's degree to which a piece of, of something you write a thing on is, like, ephemeral, goes away or not, right? Yeah. So if I put a thing in sand and wipe it with my foot, it's gone. And it's not easy to uh, I can't carry take it with a piece me. of sand. Yeah, you can't take it or or give it to someone else or pass it along. So same with cave paintings, you know? Maybe there were there were probably like cave rocks that people like the pet rock probably was invented long before the more more recent pet rock. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I mean, we Steve. still carry around pet rocks. We call them rings and earrings. Yeah, true. <laughs> true, totally. So there's paper right? It's the next thing that everybody's going to think of. You also already already said paper, but there's this intermediate stuff, which we could talk about. And I think this immediately taps us into this history science piece of this, which is like, how do we know these things? Like there's a point where once we were going to carry these things around, some of them crumble when they get wet. And so those dissolve over time. But then like we have animal skins with etchings on them and stuff because skins can be mummified essentially <laughs> so pre-paper like what what were the pre-paper you know yeah, it's an it's means it's of writing some stuff down to send to somebody and like so we have animal skins and things we have pieces of pottery with stuff scraped in them yeah it's interesting that you go to writing from this because cardboard boxes are not typically used for writing Although what they're made of is kind of papery. And so you go back into the history of like, where did they come from in their origin? And we go to paper. And then I think as modern people, corrugated paper as just something to write on. Right. So, which is so, which is funny because that's kind of like the intermediary position of it, right? Because the early materials you're talking about, papyrus and parchment which are are are, parchment is uh is animal skins like you were just talking about papyrus is more like paper it was like an old it's this old plant from egypt that you would take and make the fibrous material out of that was kind of like paper and you'd write on it but it wasn't just used for writing it was used for all kinds of stuff it was used for construction they would use it in their boats and sandals and in roofs and buildings and I think it was even used in mummification. So and now back, people we largely, kind of like, and now people largely know the name because of a font, a meme, a meme papyrus. about a font that you shouldn't use. <laughs> what does the papyrus font look like? Is it awesome? Is it Egyptian yeah, hieroglyphs? Look it up. No, it's just I don't know. <laughs> is it terrible? Is it like sans serif? It's like crackly? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's kind. It's it's kind of Egyptian y. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to use papyrus for something. The, I because think cardboard, corrugated cardboard is engineering made of paper in a way where it's like, 
oh shit, if we take paper, this thing that is giantly popular and has proliferated wildly because people use it to put pornography on, like, hey, if you shape it this way, it gets really structurally functional. <laughs> so you have to chase back to this idea of how come they didn't have corrugated papyrus boxes to ship things around the world in? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. To a certain well, extent, right? It's also weird when you start to look at papyrus because it's so old and it's so fragile that we just don't have very much of it. A lot of what we know about it is in writings and the occasional writing that's on papyrus because it just it is not very durable. I mean, relative maybe to our lifespan, like how long the IRS makes me keep taxes, a papyrus would be fine, um, which was probably highly relevant at the time as well. But in terms of lasting as long as we needed to to know about it, I mean, papyrus is from many millennia ago. It was early Egypt. Uh, as far as we can tell, we have some, I think, back as far as 4000 BC. Thousands of years. Thousands, 6000 years ago, right? Which strangely... Uh, what do you mean when you say we have? We, we as modern, modern humans, not you and me, we have no papyrus collectibles. Although I do have like modern papyrus hanging in the hallway and it kind of looks like something that would be from a museum. Just the a affect. touristy thing. Yeah, from a museum though, right? <laughs> so the, the idea that we have it is kind of this funny thing of like a collective knowledge base yeah. that science produces. And then you're like, hey, we have this. And I think people maybe think of that and they're like, oh, you think you know that? And it's like, no, I've looked at some in the Smithsonian. And they, here's the whole idea of how that came to be in the Smithsonian. If you're going to doubt that, I don't know what to tell you. It's, but like, uh, <laughs> has has papyrus become politicized now too? Probably. <laughs> paper, 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 paper certainly has broadly popular and proliferated because of that, right? Cotton and hemp certainly were politicized, and we know that stuff because, like, we've literally found it in the ground in fossilized, essentially forms where or mummified forms where we can go, oh shit. They were writing stuff on paper. Yeah, it's crazy to think <laughs> that uh, papyrus was a really popular material in Egypt, right? And Egypt is maybe arguably the longest running civilization. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of years, depending on how you want to define different civilizations. But they were using papyrus so much that they completely decimated the papyrus plant. It's now extinct in Egypt because it was just consumed and used for materials. So interesting play with our recent moves on climate change right like even even thousands of years ago humans were consuming planetary resources at such dramatic scale that they decimated an entire population of a plant that they were using for a product so this commercialization of products in quote unquote modern culture is not necessarily that new so it's funny to think that we have a handful, uh, and, and maybe more than that, I can't really tell from the stuff I, I read about this. Could be thousands of texts, but we just don't have that many things that are on papyrus. But if you think about kind of the proliferation of paper, uh, I mean, we know they were writing religious texts and they were writing like receipts. There were like business exchanges on this. So there are presumably many, many thousands or even millions of of. Uh, pieces of papyrus going around in ancient Egypt and they're all just gone. Like think about if like all the paper from our time was gone and we only had a few select pieces pulled out, 
I mean, it's not quite a fair comparison. I think paper is much more prolific now. My but f- My favorite thing, though, is when they are able to translate it through some other you know, field of study that has figured out the language on these things. And they're essentially like, this is a purchase receipt. <laughs> right? Oh, hey, this is clearly a purchase receipt for a donkey. It's, it's hilarious, right? So, to look at these ancient things and be like, oh, this, as, is, this is tax paperwork. <laughs> they're as banal as most of the paperwork around you. Yeah, it's just as lame as all the stuff I have in boxes in my office. <laughs> but it's beautiful <laughs> and old and ancient uh, and captures old civilization. Right. And so, so there's this scientific record, like through history of paper usage and ways to understand the ubiquity of paper. Talk to me about how we know about paper. Me and you. <laughs> how we know about paper? Yeah. You've dealt with, with cardboard as an engineering concept, corrugated cardboard, right? Like the brown stuff with the wiggles inside of it. Let's talk about what corrugated cardboard is first. Well, it's funny because when you said what we know about paper, I was actually thinking, well, we're, it feels like we're kind of coming up on, people have been predicting we're at like the end of paper, right? A lot of stuff that traditionally used to be paper, I don't get in paper. And I'm yeah, kind of annoyed when paper shows up in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I have all these letters on my desk and it's like, why don't these just work with websites? Why do I have to have stupid letters that I right. have to mail back? <laughs> but also there are other places where we're still using paper and in higher and higher volumes. Yeah. So to some extent, paper is a really good way to do stuff. We just have to figure out this balance. Paper is a great product. Trees. Paper is a great product. It's made from uh, from cellulose, which is a very specific part of the material that gives trees its structure. Or it's mostly made from cellulose. And basically, paper is it's interlayered fibers. I always like the description uh, when you think about fibers. Plastics are kind of like this too. It's different material, but. I like to think of spaghetti. If you took a bowl of spaghetti and like laid it out flat, you'd have all these little fibers like mixed in with each other, overlayered, and 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 so it just forms this like strong material that kind of is tough in every direction. You can tug on it, and it's got whatever direction you tug on, it's got some little spaghetti strings that are kind of strong in that direction, and it links together and holds together well. And it and paper is great because it's natural. Like it's a it's a renewable resource, right? It's if you're not making it with aggressive chemicals and aggressive coatings and stuff that can be really bad. It's essentially a product that's just it's made from trees and you have to go grow a tree to make it. So uh, it's it's what is termed a renewable resource. We lived through an era personally, like me and you lived through an era where no one was talking about in my lifetime. No one was talking about recycling paper. Everyone thought it was a thing they had to really care about for a period and then we balanced it out as, as far as I understand. And now it's like, yeah, I try to recycle every piece of paper that I have. And I try to use recycled paper. And that's mostly what they use for cardboard. And also, I have this vague understanding, whether it's accurate or not, that most of like the paper in the United States comes from trees that were grown specifically for paper. So we're not like reducing the global supply of trees anymore, which like when we were in grade school was felt to me like the concern paper was kind of the place paper and aluminum cans i feel like are the thing that kicked off uh environmentalism for me as a kid it was hey these are these are the things <laughs> these are the things we that will if you get these will save the world right <laughs> which is it's it was a good basis for it right i mean i have a bin right in front of me in my office that i put all of my recyclables in 
mostly paper, paper stuff, right? You just can't get away from it. Right. Um, envelopes and little papers that I intend to have notes on, but really just cover with scribbles. But so one of the applications of that paper is the corrugated cardboard box. So what we mean by the corrugated cardboard box is the type of cardboard where there's two layers and the wiggles inside of it. (laughs) The wiggles. That arrangement of paper in that form of cardboard box has properties that just like this post-it note I'm wiggling in front of the camera right now has. Look how floppy it is. It's so floppy. It doesn't have any structure. Only structure and tension when you pull at it. Right. So it doesn't. So so if I'm pulling it like along the paper, it's really hard to break paper. It's strong fibers, but it's shit for like lateral <laughs> strength. If I'm trying to, <laughs> if I'm standing it up straight and going like this, this translates so, great to radio. <laughs> yeah. So the engineering solution for this is to put those wiggles in there. You're building um, a bridge when you uh, make corrugated cardboard. It's uh, if you picture like old train bridges kind of come to mind, like big steel train bridges that have triangles in the middle of them. That's kind of corrugated cardboard is basically just two layers with triangles in the middle, uh, which which creates very strong structure to it to then make make things out of it. Boxes and and sheets in the shape of a box, like a shape of a box of just paper is good enough for my cereal, but it's not going to hold stuff and it's not gonna have the strength to just keep the junk i'm moving out of my house from falling through the places where the tension is the highest i guess in that mechanism right they're apt to split past a point i mean cardboard there's some hefty ass boxes out there i needed some cardboard for a project the other day some real thick cardboard so i cruised down to the grocery store and damn the cardboard that they get watermelons delivered in is like an inch and a half thick it's, it's wood it's like layers. <laughs> uh, it might as well just be trees that they're yeah. shipping watermelons. Like if you've ever had a thing shipped freight, <laughs> like the stuff they put on there is just, if I hit you with it, it might break your arm. <laughs> Cardboard. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's not because it's heavy. It's just because it's in that very direction. It's made to keep. It's very strong. You know, bash other forklifts in the side and have it not break. Sideways. Well, that's that's the other feature of cardboard that is of great value, right? It's strong. It's structurally strong. So it's kind of hard to break out of a cardboard box, but it's also soft and it gives. So it's it's good insulation for stuff. So I think actually the uh, original sort of the path by which we came upon corrugated fiberboard, corrugated cardboard boxes it wasn't until the 1800s that we started using cardboard, which is like a thicker kind of papery in, in sort of the sense of cardboard for the things that you see it in modern life. So the cereal companies actually kicked off the cardboard revolution. They started shipping their cereal in these little cardboard boxes. And around the same time, a hat making company started corrugating cardboard not putting it in between the layers. They weren't going for strength. They were corrugating it to package their hats so that there'd be uh, insulation and and something to pack the hat in that it could bounce against and wouldn't break it, but would provide some springiness to the boxing. And then pretty soon after that, the method they'd used to corrugate the cardboard, they looked at, hey, I can put two flat layers on either side, and then they get that bridge structure. And then late 1800s, We've got the cardboard box, as as everyone's picturing now, this strong, structural, boxy bridge thing made of made of trees. 
made of tree fiber. That uh, I that renewable. that theoretically we can grow uh, like on demand. It takes time, right? But you planning. just need to know how long and time and planning it takes to grow these trees. But when we started worrying about it, we were like, okay, this is how many trees we need to have. And it's going to be profitable if you are willing to grow those trees. So people do. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. We got a huge uh, paper industry. <laughs> they also kind of steal trees from other places sometimes. And I feel like that's shunned. Interesting. Sure. Another interesting little... Uh, side nugget about paper that I picked up on. I didn't chase this thread too deep while I was reading up on this, but one of the particular processes to make paper involves a chemical process that gives off a lot of heat. So a lot of paper manufacturing plants are actually, they contribute electricity back to the electrical grid. They operate as little generators. And so often the plant where the fibrous like material is being extracted and formed into paper is actually the heat from that reaction is used to spin a generator, uh, produce electricity, which then powers the adjoining paper mill where the paper is flattened and cut and bound and moved around. So it's an interesting from a manufacturing perspective, that's kind of cool that uh, it's a renewable resource. All this stuff is arguable. There's complications here, but essentially renewable resource, chemical reaction, powering its own production. Pretty cool. Pretty cool material, right? So Cellulose. Before we talk Magical. about that piece, which is where I kind of want to wrap up, I think, which is like this, I want to chase down a little bit of, is paper production sustainable? Are we done already? I feel like we've only just begun talking about paper. Yeah, that's because <laughs> we haven't talked about how we know so much about paper. You've dealt with it professionally. I've been talking about paper for so long. And we, we, I, you, you have a story you relayed to me when we started talking to this about a project that we did in a class, in a, in a class where we, that we've actually talked about on the podcast before our eighth grade math science class. We had a competition where we all got into teams of like four and we had to make a bridge out of cardboard that was able to span six feet. I think it was. Oh, this was a different bridge story than the one we conveyed earlier. I don't actually remember building a bridge in math science class. I was talking about a different math class that was maybe like... Was that college? Because you used to do engineering competitions of like that kind of... Like you, you have spent your life doing engineering competitions where I would be like, what are you up to? And you'd be like, I just won this thing where I had to make an egg not break falling from four stories. They almost all involved cardboard too, which is what's really interesting. It's a great... It's an interesting segue or, or point that you made there. All the egg drop competitions I've ever done have all involved cardboard. They were sponsored Gliders. by FedEx. We had to use Glider. FedEx boxes. That was the whole point. They were actually <laughs> sponsored by FedEx. That's yeah, hilarious. All of our egg drop competitions in college. So we also did one in high school. How did the math science bridge. Go? You Your bridge was the strongest but disqualified because of a failure condition that wasn't accounted for in specified. the competition. You built a suspension bridge, and a suspension bridge needs earth to hold sturdy it. Sturdy earth. Or it doesn't work. It needs a sturdy planet. And so yours buckled, but it buckled because the end caps weren't fixed well enough into the, <laughs> to the like the, shitty bleachers gave way. stacked on or something to test them out. You know, it was just two like crappy benches. And so even if you taped it to the benches, it wasn't going to hold 
a person standing in the middle of it because the bench is just tilt, right? So you're literally like, unless I affix this to the driveway, like <laughs> it's not going to work the way it's supposed to work. And so somebody else won who built built a better thing for that very specific application, but you built the best bridge. I've had a lot of, I mean, debatable. Best is a tough word to use in in the engineering space, but <laughs> I definitely have had a lot of experiences with competitions, bridge building competitions, and unspecified features of the rules that have. So I, I built. We built a bridge that did pretty well by my recollection. We put like a honeycomb structure inside it to just rigid panels that we had to make a little bit extra thick. But there was also a contender, a team that was literally like, we're just going to put as many layers of cardboard as we can together. We're just going to make a block of cardboard. (laughs) And I think that one actually did the best. That's smart. So if you need to span six feet, just put as much material as you can in the volume of space that you're allowed to because like, we had a height, we had size restrictions on the bridge. So, you know, like you, you have been playing with cardboard in this context. I mean, you, you, you said so you dealt with it cardboard at <laughs> when you were working as a mechanical engineer, when you're working for the golf company. Oh yeah. Well, we just had, we had box making. We, we used so many boxes. I mean, this is, this is common for manufacturing plants where you're shipping products. We assembled our own boxes in our plant. So, we would get it was it was very interesting i was surprised by this when i started working there but it ob- seems obvious now thinking about the use of cardboard boxes they don't come in as boxes right that think of all the wasted space so we had these very specific long boxes that we would ship golf clubs in right picture a cardboard box that's i don't know four feet long and relatively small around like i don't know six by six by four feet and uh it was six inches by six inches by four feet. And they would just come in on pallets, these flat pieces of cardboard that were like pre-scored and sometimes pre-cut in certain places. And we would drop a whole pallet of this flat, these flat sheets of cardboard in this big machine that was custom built for us. And it would just process through these sheets of cardboard and out the other end would pop a finished box <laughs> that would just roll out on the assembly line. Uh, and then you fill it up with golf clubs and go about your day. And it was just all day long i think we had two of them i want to say all day long they were just sitting there you'd feed a pallet of cardboard in and out pop a hundred boxes all day all day just boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes it was (laughs) it was hilarious to what extent was that was was designing that machine a matter of you just have like this volume of space you need to have exists and it doesn't matter how it's arranged because, you know, this structure is good enough. I remember cardboard boxes coming in. Tri- uh, uh, if you order a golf club, like a single golf club, it usually would come in a triangle box. That's a smart box. Yeah, we might have had triangle boxes too. Now that I think about it. That's a good That's a good one for a right. single golf club. It's like, Very yeah, if you build it out of this type of cardboard, good enough to not break the thing in shipping. And that's really the goal. So we're not engineering this too hard. There's right? a lot of we had we had custom reps from I forget who handled our contract shipping at the time. engineers. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Packaging design engineers. I mean, that's a major that's a engineering discipline. You can go study at university. Right. 
there's a lot of engineering that goes into them, right? Because they're complicated, right? You've got to be able to assemble them in a manufacturing plant, right? People don't think about that. I'd never thought about it until I saw those machines. But if you're going to ship manufactured products, you have to manufacture the boxes. <laughs> so Or buy them from someone who does. Right. So and, and you just can't at that scale. You can't be shipping like pack like finished boxes places. So another feature of the cardboard box that's that's really special and magical, right? That it can come in almost as flat paper and be constructed in in place. And so these boxes were fairly complicated. The way they were built and designed to come together They're had flat to packed. Be, it was a flat pack. Cardboard allows you to do the thing with paper that Ikea does with furniture. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Exactly the same thing. And uh, I, I always found it interesting when we would have to make changes or products would change dramatically or something because you'd have to go back and kind of retest the boxes. And so we would package up box designs. We'd get like a dozen box designs from our box design company. And we'd pack them with clubs and we would ship them back and forth across the country a whole bunch of times and send them off to be tested in different stress tests. And it would be interesting. You'd get them back and you'd be like, hey, this particular box design failed because all these little flaps came out. We thought it was a good design to put it together, but that flap always comes out when we ship it. And so you settle on something. It's it's kind of a hard thing to know going into it, like the way the forces are going to go through a box and what's going to pop things out and how it gets shipped and the weight of your product and it's complicated. I mean, yeah, because these days it's going to get tossed around by a thousand robots. Yeah. In between at least 30 robots touch every package that shows up <laughs> at your door from Amazon. And they're not they're not nice about it. At least 30 robots. Some of them are my, just there my, to punch This it. robot's job is uh, just punch this this direction every time. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. This is getting punched by robots all day. You can you imagine somebody. the box assembly stations in Amazon packaging facilities? It's got to be real interesting, right? They have like a dozen different box sizes, it seems like at least, that come out. So I feel like that gets us through like why paper's cool. Paper's very cool. Uh, <laughs> and we talked a little bit about how it's, how it's created, right? But I want to bear down really specifically on is paper production sustainable? Like what do we have to back that? You know, what do we have as scientific backup to the idea of we can to a point that is far away from where we are now we can grow more trees and still have paper yeah like, we is there an urgency to go paperless no there's definitely for not real in terms no. of what it means for the planet and you know climate I didn't, change. i didn't look this up specifically but i'm willing to go on the record and say absolutely not we might not be doing things super sustainably all the time right now but we can grow an unimaginable amount of trees and paper and cardboard and stuff, especially if we're recycling. You don't get to use it forever, right? You can't recycle paper a thousand times. You can recycle it a couple times, I think, and still have it have structural rigidity. But then it is a material that then just decomposes and is reabsorbed and reused, right? If done properly, right? I'm sure we're not recycling it appropriately all the way back into trees yet. But paper is paper is a product we should all be getting behind. And you're definitely seeing paper start to replace plastics in a lot of cases because it's been it's just been so easy for us to use plastic for everything. But with a little bit of ingenuity, we're coming up with new ways to formulate paper and new stuff to do with it where it's replacing the need for plastics, right? We're going back to things that we used to do like waxed paper, which again is, is kind of a, is a much more natural um, renewable product in, in many ways. 
is replacing the need for plastic on things. So I think paper is a product everyone should really get behind. <laughs> Rally behind the paper companies. Call your local paper supplier. <laughs> Have you made paper personally? Uh, I remember I like this is like a pretty standard. Fourth, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was just saying, I think it's a pretty standard fourth grade science project to take some paper, we use blend paper, it up though. in a blender with water until it's just pulp. But it was and then you, like spread it, spread it on a screen thing that's easy right. to build because you can make it out of a broken screen door and just mash it in and then watch it and be like, we made our own parchment. But we we took paper that was nicer paper and then made worse paper out of it. <laughs> so it always struck me that as a weird project. How paper is made. Because ultimately, paper is made by taking, like you said, this, this substance from the tree, and you have to pulp it. So you get it wet, and you mush it all up, and then you mash it into a space, and once it dries, it has this fib- these fibrous properties, right? Right. Think of the exercise we could have gotten if they'd made us go out on the playground and like chip wood ourselves. And we so, like, other, a week. other than the consideration for chemicals that you have to put in it for this process, which we're able to pay attention to because they're all additives, we make a thing, we use it for a thing, and then with paper, if you just get it wet and leave it in a field... Like it goes back to being part of the system in a way that comports with, you know, birds use it for shit and it dissolves and it's not that big a deal unless we put something noxious in it, like formaldehyde or whatever, right? And it's funny because it's like when we talk about the experience that we have with paper, and I think a lot of people have with paper, you have experienced the way that it dissolves. So it's really easy to, you know, envision yeah, it about in it. that context. Yeah, I think you picture people picture paper, I think. Uh, um, I generalize for, for our listeners a lot. Yeah, I picture paper yeah. when I picture something decomposing because you can kind of see the fibers coming apart and, and it goes from this like shiny, white, unnatural thing back to kind of a dirty, fibrousy, organic-y looking material, which is cool. It's nice to see that happen to things. But it being as useful as it is means that it's everywhere and we've used it for all kinds of cool stuff. And all the engineering we talked about. So... There are still these things where it's like, oh man, paper is still just the best way to do this. And so you, I actually had a note about the waxed paper that you mentioned because earlier you were holding a packet in your hand made of that type of paper. Yeah. It's one of those like tear off the top and then it's, you know, that's a layer of cardboard with a layer of wax inside it. It's uh, Dr. Bronner's 18 in one hemp almond pure Castile soap. That I got at the climate march yesterday, and it even yeah. says "heal Earth" on the container. <laughs> I don't know if this shit's better for uh, the Earth or not. I didn't dig into yeah, it, but I don't either. Branding. But the idea that that kind of engineering has continued to happen is also a thing to consider here. We were like, "Paper's not good at holding water, so we got to put some, an, something inside of it, right?" Bring in the bees cere- for cereal. It's plastic bags, and so we kind of got to a point with some cereals where we're like, eh, just put it in a plastic bag. That's good enough. We don't need the cardboard box around the outside of it. And that's what people buy. But then there's other applications where it's like, ah, this is, if we could do this with paper, it would be cheaper and more sustainable potentially. But it's like weird because I need to hold soap, liquid soap. You just put that in paper. It just, it's going to squish out the corners within 10 days. Unless you put something on the inside that can like seal around it. So we were like, oh shit, if we use this wax stuff and we clamp it here and then heat it up, it creates the thing we need. Yeah, there's questions of what chemicals are in the wax. But the idea that engineering has continued with paper gets me to my next question. (laughs) (laughs) 
What's the coolest piece of cardboard ever? The coolest piece of cardboard ever? Yeah, like what's the most, like what, if you had to call out anything in this evolution of cardboard, like what's the thing that's, that's the most like, yeah, that shit is useful and fun or whatever, right? Like that waxed packet I just described holding ketchup is a thing that cardboard's not particularly good at. So when you see it doing it, you can kind of go, hey, that's really cool. Or it could be even broader. I'll do mine first. <laughs> I think the long cylindrical tube of cardboard that comes inside of wrapping paper is the greatest cardboard ever invented. It can be a sword. It can be a gun. You can build shelves out of it. The tube. You can sword fight with it as a child. You can wrap toilet paper around tubes it. Are dope. <laughs> they are, you know, they're so dope that I actually have a pile of them in the corner of my office for when I need them. <laughs> Because they're rare, too. You don't have cardboard tubes around all the time. So I have like five or six over there in the corner. They make a really satisfying, like, <laughs> plunk when you hit them off the oh. thing if both ends are empty. Yeah, the Zoom tube. Remember that? It, had, just had a, it was a yeah, toy that just had, had a, a spring running down a, a cardboard spring tube. spring inside it. And it was just... With your sound. I bet that was a real moneymaker. Uh, it's probably cheap to make. It was a slinky inside a, inside a cardboard tube. They make good fart noises. I'm, I'm going to say my... My favorite use, at least, I can't, I can't, I don't want to speak to a particular specific use case or specific example, but cardboard in hobbies, in like hobby making planes and model making and model trains and tabletop gaming and stuff. Uh, I've been thinking about it because I was just talking to someone I met at a beach bonfire the other night about tabletop gaming, which was getting me all riled up about making models and playing with toys in the basement. But uh, I built so much weird stuff out of cardboard as a kid for all kinds of things, right? I trained setups and I built little houses and buildings and, and bridges and stuff and all kinds of games. And it's a great, I, I have a, a thing on my shelf called white wings, which are like these little airplanes that you build. They're, they're paper airplanes, but they're made out of thicker paper airplanes. Yeah, yeah. Complicated paper airplanes that are like layered cardboard and you layer it in particular ways to give it features. And then you can bend it and give them shape and create lift on their wings and like a more, you can buy a book uh, that you way. can build a cuckoo clock out of. Cardboard. Like, it just It's just panels of cardboard that you punch out and glue in the right places, and you can build a functional timekeeping cool. device for your paper office. Paper. paper. Wood. Wood's an amazing invention. The universe invented this yeah, incredible I guess paper material. is just wood. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just wood. It's just wood. That's a cool one because I didn't even, you know, I wasn't even thinking about the size of it where you, when you're talking about cardstock, like you can also, if you just take the cardstock, never mind the corrugations and make a block of paper out of that and like glue it all up, you can like sand things out of it. Like it's a block of wood. So like, you know, you're talking about like, we should look up some links to like architectural models and put them in the show notes. Like you, it, architects if they're pitching a big expensive project like there's a there's a point where they build a model of the thing out of you know a scale model of the thing out of card stock essentially yeah. and then put it on the time. thing and go here's what it'll look like your house that's a huge part of of an architect's uh study uh at university right our our good buddy connor i remember visiting him at home during college or after college, he had a whole bunch of his models of like these amazing, gorgeous buildings that he had designed 
uh, in college and it was all just model making. And I was like, damn, I should have done, <laughs> should have done this <laughs> in college. That's like so fun. You kind of did though. You learned CAD. I don't know CAD, Ooh, you know, CAD. you can design things on a computer in 3d space. I learned that in work. Yeah, that's true. And it was, that, that stuff was very fun to play with. But CAD computers ate that too. Computers eat everything. Okay. So I feel like there's uh, a last piece in this, which is like the super Zen, Zen engineer, not Zen, but like the engineering place of like, where does this get weird? If you chase all of the, here's where we are today. Here's where we're in the future. All that kind of stuff, which is trees. Trees also are oil. We make plastic out of trees. If you chase it through the fact that the trees are the oil, the biomass. Trees are, well, before cave paintings, right? If you if we really want to go back, because we're talking about something that's been around long before we were here, trees, the material the paper is made out of, when they first evolved on the planet hundreds of millions of years ago, there were other types of plants, but there weren't trees the way you think of them, like hard, woody trunks, right? Those materials were new to the planet and new to the universe, as far as we know. And at the time when they evolved, the material, this material that we've been talking about this whole time, the cellulose uh, that we're making paper out of, it was not biodegradable. There was nothing in on Earth that knew how to eat it and digest it and poop it out so that it could be reconverted into things. And so for... Uh, like 50 million years after trees evolved before something came along that could eat it. Trees were just growing on earth and falling down and they would stay there roughly in the shape and the size that they uh, had grown in. And the fact that they were non-biodegradable means that they swept large parts of the planet as pollution, essentially, right? They were the plastic bottles of the time the universe had evolved this thing that doesn't biodegrade, that consumed resources and covered the planet. And over that period of time, trees were falling. Eventually, things that now, when you think about paper biodegrading or you go into the woods and see a fallen tree and it's rotting, things evolved that now can consume them. But So for millions of years, trees were just falling and these thick layers of tree material that were left on the planet are what now have given way to coal. Most of the coal on the planet is believed to have come from this period where trees were undigestible and you now have these thick seams of coal wrapping the whole planet where we can go in and dig them out and so we're just digging out old trees and burning old trees to power power plants and so i i mentioned this because i think it's it's an interesting perspective it's almost counter to the environmentalist perspective i like to point out that like the universe was polluting itself right we're not assholes for doing this we just we just have done it and so it's neat to think about these cycles and how the universe invented, the earth invented this weird thing called a tree and it, we didn't, the planet didn't know what to do with it. Given enough time, it did something and we figured it out and it digests it. And, but uh, now we're just facing the same sort of problem. So it's, it's, I think it's a really interesting story in the whole cycle of the environment and recycling. It's a flat everything. circle, man. <laughs> it's crazy wild stuff. Uh, and I'm not sure what better place to get out of here than time is a flat circle. We'll see you <laughs> on the next episode. It just means everything's repetitive. Everything's oh, okay. a cycle. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, boop. oh, same thing. Oh, same thing again. Oh, same thing again. 
And this is Engineering Podcast. Thanks for hanging out for another one. And special thanks as always to our backers on Patreon. Throws as little as a buck an episode to keep this thing going. If you want to support us there, you can go to patreon.zengineeringpodcast.com. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Keep it real, everybody. Bye.